Hello and welcome to episode four of Game Time World Cup Fever. As usual, it's me and Tim. We're Alanless this Alan week. Today. He's busy. We sent him out to Moscow to do um, on-site do... reporting. Exactly. We might listen to that a little bit later. Uh, how are you, Tim? I'm very well, thank you. How are you? Yeah, good, thank you. We're outside in the sun. We are. We're it's... doing a lovely outside podcast. It's very uh, cool, to say the least. We've sat in the shade. It's nice. It's better than doing it in a really hot studio. That is correct. It, it is correct. It's boiling. What has been boiling, though, is a lot of the games at the World Cup. We've finally gone through the first round of games. You can probably hear some, like, wind action in the background. Yeah. It's, uh... That'd be fun. It's atmospheric. Yeah, exactly. It adds to the atmosphere. As I was saying, we've come to the end of the group stages. We have. Of the World Cup. And England qualified second out of their group. Well, the first thing to about is that a good thing? Or is that a bad thing that we were second? Yeah, I mean... And was it planned? (laughs) It has been all over the news I mean every single paper seems to be talking about it it's just something that doesn't make sense to want to go out to lose a game even though England did lose against Belgium yeah. 1-0 well thankfully we were in, the, in a situation where it didn't matter so one Southgate can get all the players that haven't played yet out so they can all have a World Cup game which is actually nice you know, you don't want, as a manager's perspective you've got all these players you don't want them to be sat on the bench not doing anything for a long time so in that respect it's quite nice but it also meant that if you lost it's not a bad it's not necessarily a bad thing because sure we face Colombia who are definitely more difficult opposition than Japan are but we also avoided the side of the draw that has Spain, Portugal, Brazil and Argentina and France in it yeah and I think or most of those anyway but it's Sod's law that England will come up against Colombia in the round of 16 and then get knocked and, out yeah, and not even make it to Sweden. Is that Colombia have looked a very good team. Yeah, uh, They've got a lot of attacking players. Like Falcao's been very, very good. Cuadrado's been excellent. Rodriguez may, I don't know about his injury that he picked mm. up in the last match, uh, but he should, be, from a Colombia point of view, they'll really hope he's fit. Um, and then Quintero as well. They've got a very, very good attacking side. Admittedly, they're very sort of short on de- decent defenders. But... Um, Yerry Mina, their centre-back, the Barcelona, scored two goals in two games at this World Cup. <laughs> he did. That header was awesome. It was an absolute bullet header um, past Senegal. And we will get on later to that Senegal-Japan yes. sort of weirdness Whatever that happened. happened. But before we do, let's talk about England because I think they're probably... We're probably due it after we've been yes. a week off on holiday. Yes. That's what everyone how, wants to hear. How do you think England did group stage-wise? I think we did really well. So, based on the first two matches, um, I know I'm really that funny. Um, based on the first two matches, especially that Panama match, yes, it's Panama, but we played outstandingly. Like, I think we were saying, like this is the best England performance that I can possibly remember ever watching. They we played such really nice attacking football. Yeah, there were defensive errors, um, and we really haven't got the most experienced defence, but. Attacking-wise, we've got so many young players play some really, really nice-looking football. A striker that is almost guaranteed to score goals. Like, he's the leading goal scorer in the tournament so far. Yes, two of them were penalties, and two of them were headers from three yards away. But um, it's looking really, really promising in that respect. And against Tunisia, weren't bad opposition. Like They gave a good fight. It's a different style of play that we're used to seeing. Um, and Panama... A different style of play that's also a legal play because I think they've got about <laughs> six yellow, like, yellow cards in that match or something. Um, if they were in contention, they'd struggle with the fair play rules. <laughs> but um, no, it looked really, really promising. Yes, the Belgian match didn't possibly go like we could have had a better performance, we could have won if we'd wanted to. I still don't know the plan behind that. 
Um, but yeah, it was nice to see all the players get a run out and some, still some good performances from people mm. um, against what is still a very good Belgian side, even with the changes they made. Um, so no, it was def- definitely positive and you know the most promising we've been in a major tournament since 2006. Yeah, even before that, maybe 2004. So, well, it's it's been a long time since England progressed far into a tournament. Of course, the last team they beat in a knockout stage of a major tournament was Ecuador. Oh, wow. Um, so, well, similar opposition in Colombia, but maybe just a bit tougher. Um, yeah. Like I said, really, really good attacking attacking prowess. Um, Hamos Rodriguez is always a danger even if he's not you know, on form or he's slightly injured. You saw what he could do four years ago. Mm. Um, so that's, you know, it's been a very difficult match, but I reckon England playing as well as they did against Panama and even playing like they did against Tunisia, like that's definitely a winnable match. Like I don't, if you weren't English, you'd definitely bet on England to win that match. Do you think, from an England perspective, that playing Colombia is going to be an easier game because you're more likely to have a more open match, whereas playing the likes of Panama and Tunisia, the games were very closed off, very one-sided. I mean, that was a sense, but then we still put six past Panama, even the way they were playing. So. Um, there will definitely be a lot of scoring opportunities and the midfield especially will be crucial in that match um, I don't know who's starting but the Dele Alli will be fit to start Henderson will be crucial in his distribution and sort of like break up play as well to stop any Colombian attack and then to immediately put us on the counter attack um, I think counter attacks where most of the goals are going to come from so um, hopefully I say hopefully we'll play like we did against Panama with a lot of possession because that really benefited us we won't be chasing the game and then if we, if we do have that Colombia might tire out trying to press work defensively um, and then in that last maybe 15-20 minutes we could really come into our own um, so yeah the potential the potential is there for a lot more sort of attacking play uh, from both teams so we'll have to wait and see how that goes from a more sort of isolated perspective for the England-Belgium game uh, 1-0 Belgium both sides loads of changes I think there was yes. 9 changes from Belgium 7 or 8 from England something like that uh, how do you think that will affect the momentum going into the knockout stages against Colombia? Well, it's both a positive and a negative, really, because if you think about resting player like Harry Kane, what happens if he'd picked up another yellow card or um, if he'd you know, got injured or was really tired? Admittedly, we don't play until, uh, I think... It's Tuesday evening, Tuesday, I believe. It is Tuesday evening at 7 o'clock. So they've got enough sort of rest time. Um, obviously, that gets shorter and shorter the long, you know, if we progress even further. So that rest, if we do go progress quite far, that rest might be really, really crucial for players like that. Um, and considering that if like, we were struggling against Belgium and we needed a win, Harry Kane would have had to start and play the whole game maybe. Um, so that extra 90 minutes maybe would have you know, really, really influenced his performances. So it's nice to be able to rest players and actually you know, give them the chance to recover completely so that as long as their form doesn't dip a little bit having not played that match, they can come in fully fit and ready to go again as hard as they did against Panama. But then that is the other alternative, is that maybe the, having missed that game, not playing for a week, uh, will affect their, their form and won't have that sharpness. Maybe if it only takes them 15 minutes to warm up into the start of the match to get back into it, Colombia are well aware, like easily able to get an opening goal in that short time if yeah. we're not on it immediately. So it might prove a mistake, but I don't think so. I'm being optimistic and thinking it was quite a good decision. And I think it'll improve the morale in the camp as well because everyone had a World Cup game now. Yeah. Uh, everyone's gone out and played. So 
you don't have these sort of maybe like sulky players maybe I don't think anyone in that England squad is like that but in case they were you don't. there's no negative vibes in that camp I don't think anymore and I think it helps that Southgate as a manager seems to sort of foster that belief yes. I, I don't think he's your Roy Hodgson who just seemed very down about most things that happened down about everything I think yeah actually. and the same with Fabio Capello he had that sort of stern strictness I don't know if that was the language that sort yeah, of yeah there was a language that. barrier there no it definitely seems a happier camp in general yeah. with Gareth Southgate he doesn't seem to be bothered by the press or anything like he did say a few days ago that um, England were only going to make one or two changes and then he made seven or eight so he's playing with the press a little bit he's not afraid to call them out on it either because he's um, he did say when the England team was leaked for was it the Panama game he yeah. said well the press can either leak our team to the opponents or uh, they can keep it a secret and give us a better chance so he's calling the press out on what they're doing which is well within his right to do and I think he's right as well in his opinion um, isn't the press who maybe be helping the country as opposed to detrimenting it but yeah um, no, I think there's a very good spirit in that camp it's a very young team a very positive team so I think he is the right guy to do it I think I'm going to stick my neck out and say the major difference that I've seen from England in terms of play style is they all seem very comfortable on the ball they do in, in recent years you've kind of had that the sort of the Gerard Lampard paradox where they just give it to one of those two and just hope they do something whereas now you see the likes of Harry Maguire who came on against Belgium more than comfortable to run out with the ball yes. he'll give it to Trent Alexander-Arnold or Trippier if he's playing and they, everyone seems to want the ball and that yeah. I think is a really really good thing for yeah. a successful team they actually want to have it yeah I think that's uh, sort of been birthed by a very good Premier League season as well like a lot of these players playing for Liverpool Man City um, really like have had such a positive season that they just want to be in the action they want to prove how good they are even like someone like John Stones who isn't starting at Manchester City mm. wants to prove to Guardiola that he's a very good defender he can perform on a World Cup stage um, and you know he did that he almost scored a hat-trick uh, so there's not a much better way of, um, of saying that you know you want to start for Man City next season and maybe you will um, but no it's, it's, it looks like just a really really positive vibe from individual players wanting the ball like yeah Alexander Arnold was fantastic yeah maybe his quality wasn't quite there it was good to be seen for Liverpool but his determination like he's been put on free kicks in the corners he's 19 years old he's younger than I am um, and his, you know his efforts second to none in that England team um, there's a question for you would you start Alexander Arnold or Trippier well, I'd still say Trippier I think the, you said there the quality I think is is the key point and yeah. if, if you have a ball pinged out to that right wing some building work going on for us <laughs> uh, no, it's actually just slapping a mat with a stick <laughs> If you're pinging the ball out to that right wing, I'd probably rather have Trippier on the end of it. Just a little bit of quality. Yeah, I mean, Trippier's got the experience as well. Alexander is like, it's his first season playing regular first-team football at a big club. Um, well, I would probably say that he was more impressive in the league than Trippier was. Alexander Ronald doesn't have that experience. He's not got many caps at all for this England team. And he is very young, so maybe if they did come up against a big team in their knockout stages maybe it would get to Trippier sorry maybe it would get to Alexander-Arnold just a little bit and it might affect his performances a bit more whereas Trippier could probably stand up to it um, I was a little bit I was not impressed with Rose as I wanted to be because I thought that Rose would be starting ahead of Ashley Young for the opening games and he wasn't Ashley Young was picked I think his left foot could have been really crucial mm. um, being like the only left foot player in that starting eleven. but 
Yeah, he was a little bit disappointed. He didn't really show what he was made of after not again not having not having the best season for Tottenham. Yeah. Um, he really could have shown that he's he's the man to start and offer something different. But after that performance, I maybe would start actually Young instead, just for maybe maybe that defensive sort of mindedness. And he does oh, actually Young does offer something um, as a crosses on from the left side on his right foot. So yeah, and Rose has been injured from a lot of this season. So I think. Feeling his way back into that team, you'd think if he'd have played a full season, he probably would have been ahead of Ashley Young. But not not taken away from Ashley Young, no. I think he suits the style of play. And um, that maybe his best season ever in a Manchester yeah. United shirt. So as a defender, which is mental. odd, very odd. I tell you what, that England team do have different though. Fortnite. They all seem to love Fortnite, oh. apart from Jesse Lingard, who made it very clear he doesn't like Fortnite. No, he did the Drogba celebration, which Drogba yeah. was very pleased with in the uh, discussion <laughs> after the the match. Um, but oh, no, I mean it's alright like kids that are like six dancing doing Fortnite celebrations but when you're you know in front of what 18 million people or something in the country watched it yeah, maybe don't <laughs> um, celebrations have always been a bit of a dodgy one just like look at the backlash Daniel Sturridge got a few seasons ago for doing his weird Mexican wave popping thing at Liverpool um, what a celebration but or, or Peter Crouch uh, <laughs> That's an iconic no, nothing celebration. Nothing needs to be said about that. Um, yeah. A pop, in fact, he did it at the Isle of Wight Festival and then got called out by Kasabian for being too tall. Oh, um, Kasabian. Kasabian were on stage and were like, everyone get down, get down. Even you, Crouch, I can still see you like on stage. <laughs> um, it did look fun, to be fair. But no, I maybe just leave the celebrations. But then if they enjoy them, who cares? Like, it's not up to us, is it? Well, England, as we said, play Colombia on Tuesday night. And to be fair, looking at some of the ties for the knockout stages... There are some juicy ties in there. There really are. France, Argentina. Man, I mean on the Saturday. I mean, before that last Argentina game, you'd have bet France would walk home with that any day. Now that they sort of, and we were sort of right in calling it. Like, Sam Pauli was pretty much sacked by his players. Yes. He went. There's a really funny video of Messi running over to the bench, um, and Sam Pauli asks Messi, "He's like, are you bringing Kun on?" Like. <laughs> Asking whether Aguero is going to come on or not, um, he looks completely lost. But you, you can't argue with them. It's a much better performance from them. Oh, yeah. you know what though? They don't look like a side that's going to go all the way. No, they don't. They're so shaky. But France have been so lacklustre. Yeah. That weak. although France Argentina seems like this amazing game that that could, could be finally yeah. with the squads they've got, that could be the final. I wouldn't be surprised if it ends nil nil and it ends one nil on penalties. Probably with Messi not scoring a penalty because he's atrocious at them but quickly on Argentina they played better against Nigeria still left it late yep Marcos Rojo with a half volley on his weaker (laughs) foot to win it no it was I just don't know what's going on with them with the talent they've got but I mean they won it credit to them they won it and they haven't done that so far other than that match so having lost one and drawn one so they showed they can do I think God, Messi was influential in that match. Mm. Like you saw, you saw his passion after he scored his the first goal. Um, just that's what everyone expects from him. Oh yeah. And then to, I think the relief more than anything after that, after he put that one in the back of the net. What a goal as well! Like oh, one of the goals brilliant the pass. Like what, 40, 50 yards across. Great touchdown from Messi on his thigh. Weaker foot bangs it across the goal. You never bet against him to not score from that position, but no. stunning. Um, but. That's how good Argentina can be. It's just we've hardly seen it at all. And 
And we mentioned it last week with the way we thought Argentina would set up, and it was Ava Benega that provided yes, the pass to Messi. He was. They just. They, when you see Benega playing in that match, you saw what Argentina were lacking. It's just the pass forward through defenders mm. and like over the back line. They just didn't have that. Um, they were playing in a system that didn't really allow for it. They didn't have the quality of player to do that. Bonega comes in, immediately starts spraying passes around. You've already, even if the rest of the players aren't, you know, they're getting tackled or aren't putting in the quality to finish it. They've got opportunities now with Bonega playing. So I think they'll probably start exactly the same team again. Maybe Dybala might start. Um, Higuain did well. Admittedly, I think Aguero is a better striker, but the way Argentina are playing... Mm. I think they need Higuain to hold the ball up a bit more. Yeah, um, there is a potential you could play both of them, but um, I think Higuain and maybe Dybala will start next match as well. Um, and I, they do need to challenge France because if they sit back against France, you're gonna struggle because they've got such quality in midfield and attack. Oh, without doubt. Um, later on in that day, another great game: Uruguay, Portugal. The tale of three superstars. I think that is Ronaldo, Suarez, and Cavani. Um, it will be down to them who wins that match I think yeah um, both fairly weak the rest of the squads are fairly weak Uruguay have got they've got a very good keeper in Muslera um, and Gadin of course but I think I think Uruguay have got a stronger squad in general and then those two strikers up front but it's Ronaldo anything can happen he could score a hand of a hat-trick again yeah I, I think that game you hit the nail on the head it will either be won by the strikers or won by Godin and yeah. Uh, Jimenez because Iran did so well to shut Ronaldo down I know he missed a penalty but he didn't really get a sniff at goal and you no. feel like well they, you... they scored through a Quaresma wonder goal but oh, other than yeah. that they didn't look like coming close yeah so you think if Uruguay can just stifle them Suarez Maybe. and Cavani yeah all they need is Suarez has scored what two now um, good strikers goals as well yeah. so um all they need is a little bit of service and they can score. They're in form now, um, yeah. as Ronaldo is, but with those two strikers up there, Uruguay dangerous. Um, again, maybe the most dangerous they've looked in a very long time as well. So yeah. um, that'll be a very, very interesting match. A very good day of football there. Yeah, definitely another long, long day of sitting in front of the TV yep. and enjoying the football. Then we head over to Sunday's game. Spain take on the surprise package and the host Russia. Yeah. I don't think anyone thought they were going to make out the group before this tournament. No, well, that 5-0 on the first day definitely shocked everyone, yeah. I think, even if it was against Saudi Arabia. But, no, they've done well. You can't say they haven't. Um, I think maybe the, the home support and that sort of feeling um, that you know they're, they're here for their, their country and their fans has really got to them. They've done really, really well. Mm. Um, obviously, some really great talents as well. Golovin's come through. So, no, they're definitely looking promising. I don't know how well they'll do against Spain. No, I don't. Um, I think... I think they they showed just how weak they are against Uruguay. Granted, they went down to ten men, but they got played off the park for most of that game against Uruguay. And Spain are just much, much better at keeping the ball. They so. are. So, yeah, I think again for Russia, it's going to have to be a counter-attack game. They're right. going to have to sit back, chase the ball, and then just maybe the one or two opportunities they get, just try and score one. And then if they, if they can score first, I reckon it'll be a very good game. Yeah. Because Spain are going to have to open up, and they have struggled scoring. Um, but if Spain, yeah, Spain get a command, demanding control of the game from the very outset and then they score the first one, I think Russia will be in for it. Yeah, that's probably a fair shout. Uh, next up on the Sunday at the 7 o'clock, Croatia-Denmark. Denmark showed in that group that there are no pushovers. Of course, they've got players like Christian Eriksen. Yeah. Kasper Schmeichel's a good goalkeeper. He is. Aiden Christensen behind as well. Yeah, 
They've got so- that spine. Is Andres solid. Christensen. I don't know if I'm Hayden Christensen. That's the actor. The guy played Anakin Skywalker. Um, I mean, he could be a good Danish defender. He was in Soccer Aid. He, he was in Soccer Aid. He wasn't great. He wasn't great. Um, anyway, no, Andres Christensen. Uh, we've got a good spine of a team there. Hmm. But um, Croatia, every game they play, they're looking more and more dominant. Oh, yeah. um, they've got. I think it's showing everyone they've got a lot of talent as well. Like before the tournament, you really said, oh, they've only got Modric and Rakitic. Now, I think everyone's showing their quality. Rebic, Perisic, Mandzukic. Um, they've got Kovacic and Brozovic as well in midfield. They've got this, such a strong squad. So I wouldn't put it past them getting even maybe through the quarterfinals, depending who they're up against. Um, yeah. And Modric proving that he is the best midfielder in the world. Well, I think Croatia, over the last couple of tournaments, Euros, they blitzed the group and then went out to Portugal in mm. a drab game, to be fair, yeah. and decided an extra time. But... If Croatia beat Denmark, which I think they're very capable of, yes. they'll come up against either Spain or Russia. Now, with the way that Croatia are playing, I honestly would not put it past them to beat Spain. I think they've got, a, on form, I think they've got a better midfield than Spain did at the moment. Um, yeah. Iniesta's Spain's best midfielder, um, but everyone else has looked maybe a little bit lackluster and a little bit lacking of something. Yeah, we know how good Isco and David Silva can be. Mm. I think Busquets has been very poor. Uh, my hatred of him doesn't affect that decision at all. Um, but they do 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 like look weak, and I think they can get bossed over by Rakitic and Modric. Um, and if that is the case, if they get outplayed in midfield, Spain will struggle because they don't really have anywhere else the quality can come from. And you've seen how weak their defence can be as well. Ramos and Piquet not in the form that we're expecting. Yeah, um, that was shown against Morocco when they just got a throw launched over their heads and Morocco almost scores um, yeah. only thanks to a good save from De Gea so Piero was asked actually is De Gea going to retain his spot um, but considering that the only keepers they've got to replace him are Pepe Reina and Arizabalaga oh, from yes. Atlo, who's not had a bad no, season but I mean one there are probably better Spanish keepers out there to go to the World yeah. Cup and two you're never going to drop David De Gea no never and Pepe Reina there, I think it's just as a mascot now. He just rocks up to every single World Cup. Yeah. He just rocks up to any international He'll be there tournament. in four years' time, oh, dressed as a lion. <laughs> um, no, but he, he never going to drop the hair. But, but that, it could be very interesting. It also could be very boring, so we'll have to wait and see. But yeah. It could be one of those games. On to Monday, Brazil-Mexico. Now, before... I'm looking forward to that. I was going to say, before you look at the Germany group, which we'll probably mention in, yes. in a minute... Mexico looked like the best team out of that group and yet they were humbled by Sweden like, yes quite easily and Brazil don't even look like they've gotten out of second gear no and pretty much clean sweep that well group. to do that Neymar needs to get up off the floor which he hasn't done <laughs> recently um, no Mexico after their win against Germany that was the best performance I'd seen in the World Cup so far because they were really really stunning and then against Sweden they lost 2-0 mm. uh, 2-0 3-0 3-0 so I think if they play like they did at the start, they've got every chance of beating Brazil. Every chance. But Brazil have got Neymar and Coutinho. We will have to wait and see. It, it could be a very, again, a very open, very, very exciting match mm. to watch. With a big rivalry there as well. But it could also be one of those sort of we see lack of quality from both teams and it's down to, yeah, like one, one big goal from Coutinho or something that settles it. But we'll have to wait and see. But it, again, that could, be, could potentially be match of the tournament. I think for Mexico to win that game, they have to play near identical to the way they played against Germany. They do. Because against South Korea and against Sweden, they're not typical teams that are going to bomb forward and attack you. No. 
whereas Brazil will just relentlessly keep going. Yeah. And I think that's where Mexico can use the counter attack. Yeah, and they're, they're so quick on the ball, mm. such great skill on the ball. Um, but then you can say the same about Brazil, so if Mexico do that, Brazil can then counter attack straight back at them and then yeah. have to see what happens. But um, no, it could be very, very interesting. Um, Belgium, Japan. The, the winners of the, the. Winners of Group G versus second place in Group H after what was a very bizarre performance from Japan against uh, South... No. Against uh, Poland. Poland. It was... To be honest, I mean, I don't know how you feel about this, but I, it just destroyed the spirit it did. of the game. I understand that the World Cup was changed to have kickoffs at the same time in the final group game to make sure we didn't get a repeat of that disgusting Germany-Austria game in the 1980s yeah. where both teams knew that they could both go through so decided to play out a draw yeah. but this was so risky from Japan because it one was. goal could have cost if Senegal them. had scored Japan would have been out exactly or in a highly ironic way if they'd have got booked for time wasting they would have also then gone out because would have gone above Senegal yeah it, so, I don't understand it was mental um and I mean, I presume everyone was watching the the Senegal Colombia match, but then while that was going on, the you know the Japan shenanigans were happening. Um, you had ten minutes of Japan just keeping the ball inside their own half, yeah. and Lewandowski just walking around the centre circle, thinking he did almost score at one point, but he, he missed it. Which if playing for Bayern Munich, you'd never have guessed that he'd have uh, he'd have missed that. It was seven yards out uh, from across, and he mm. just put it over the top of the bar. But. Um, I mean, if he'd scored that, then they would have been in a very difficult position because they would have been going out. It was odd, but then we have seen good performances from Japan in their first two matches. So yep. we know that maybe it wasn't... We, we know that they won't come out and play like that in the coming matches and they are capable of playing good football, but it was just a bit of a sort of, you know, disgusting attitude, really. And imagine if you're a fan in that stadium. You've paid... You've travelled miles. Like, if you're travelling from Japan, it's yeah. quite a way to that stadium. Um, you get to watch and you get to watch them pass the ball around for 50 minutes which is basically what you see well it's probably less entertaining than Sunday league games with your children playing so well the the Japanese head coach after the match actually admitted to journalists that by the time it got to the final 10 minutes he had no plan B he knew that his team weren't going to score because of the way they were playing so he decided to take the executive decision to make them pass the ball round the back and hope that Senegal don't get a goal yeah I mean you can understand where he's coming from and you can sort of understand why they were doing it but mm. it would have just been very funny if Senegal had scored yeah I, I don't get the fair play because it goes on a, like a point system yeah. so obviously one yellow card I think is minus one point a yellow followed by another yellow which leads to a red is minus three and then a straight red is like minus four or there's point system to it. Yes. But it feels like it's a double whammy because not only are you getting punished on the day, but then you're getting punished in the future. So if a referee feels particularly card happy that day, you're essentially being cost a place in the next round yeah. because on one game, the referee yeah. was maybe a little bit more... It's also the fact that two yellow cards now equal a suspension as well. Yeah. So like normally it's three and then they get wiped after the quarterfinals so that in the semifinals you can't miss the final unless you yeah. get a straight red card. In this, if you get two yellow cards in the first two games, you then or like in your first and your third game, you then miss the knockout stages. Exactly. Which is a bit ridiculous. Like it can be, especially with some of the, these referees that have been incredibly card happy. Um, yeah. From a lot of them are from 
African countries or sort of lower leagues or whatever. Um, they've been so gone out and like missing a really important game which a team could get knocked out of the World Cup and you're not there. Yeah. It doesn't really seem fair to me. It's an, an interesting system yeah. to say the least. Anyway, they they played Belgium after that was that entire controversy of should England top the group, should yeah. they not top the group. Doesn't matter it's anymore. Done now. Belgium have topped the group, they play Japan and they'll face either Brazil or Mexico. Then we come to Sweden, Switzerland. Probably a game that not many people would have thought would be a knockout no. stage. Germany aren't there yeah. after a diabolical oh God. group stage. I do, it's, it's possibly the biggest loss in World Cup history, that is. Oh, especially the way they played. It was just like... I think that, I think someone I heard it on commentary I think the only player that could possibly go out of that Germany score with their head held high is Tony Cruz everyone yeah. else was bad yeah. and like genuinely bad um, I did feel a bit bad for Timo Werner especially in that final game because he looked like he was trying but he still didn't have the quality and then obviously when if your whole team are playing well you play well if everyone's playing badly anything you do just seems to go wrong and there were a few like a couple of them that did look like they were trying but then just it was so poor. Like yeah. I don't know whether the Boateng red card had anything to do with that final game, but then all throughout all three matches were just bad. They, um, just, they did not look like the team that we've seen over the last few years dominating major tournaments. Yeah, well, there are reports that they're sort of they've been sort of a division in the dressing room. There've been either disagreements between people, mm. maybe the manager. Um, it's been said that Tony Kroos didn't trust Plattenhard uh, to pass him the ball in some of the matches. Which I mean, he did get dropped for Hector. Um, yeah. Maybe that was in his. But I, I don't know what's happening. It's mental, and no one. I think what Germany the favourites, and then it was Brazil with number two or something. Pretty like that. much, yeah. So for them to go out straight away is just massive, and I don't think anyone could quite expect that because it's just it's unheard of. It, and I think especially just the way they played was so just. It was shocking. Yeah. It was really, really bad. Just really poor football. Like, they didn't look like a team that cared at all. It's like they could have been beaten by Wickham Wanderers. Um, I can would have torn them apart. But, no, they did look poor. Um, Humbles could have had a hat-trick. Didn't. Missed yeah. all three headers. Could have won them the game. Could have put them in the group stages. Missed them all. Emily Wallen was quite difficult, but the other two definitely should have scored. A man of his quality. Um, supposed to be one of the top four centre-backs in the world yeah. coming into this game. And maybe with well, top five, maybe like him, Boateng, Ramos, Godin uh, go and PK or something. But no, really, really poor from him. No Boateng. Um, oh God, what was Neuer doing at the end of that match? That I've just remembered that. That was basically what happens when you cannot be bothered to play football on FIFA anymore. So you decide to run the goalie up as far as you can. Literally. So he was, for the second goal, I understand, we all know what, how Neuer plays. Is he comes out. He comes and stands on the halfway line because Germany were, had a lot of possession. They were probably a 95% possession in that last 20 minutes or something. Uh, just passing the ball around. Obviously, they clear it. Neuer comes up the halfway line, passes it back, and they can start again immediately. He came up past three of his own players and stood on the penalty box. When there were players behind him, he then lost the ball, got tackled, tried to tackle him back, missed. The guy just locked the... the um, South Korean player just launched the ball into the, their half someone ran onto it tapped it in goal like wasn't offside because he was in his own half yeah. all that was left was like one of the defenders trying to chase him back it was shocking from Neuer it was really bad I guess so. and he, he, I mean they'd lost the game before that because when South Korea scored like they were out you should have seen the passion on their faces but like to actually score you know win a World Cup match and knock Germany out 
like as soon as they scored they all rushed over to the bench were gone mental but after that first goal we thought right Germany aren't going to score now because they've been playing awfully Neuer then goes and does that and a 100% chance they're not going to score so it's probably fair to before we talk about Sweden and Switzerland to mention South Korea played really well they did they, they did play good they stopped Germany playing their keeper was on one all tournament to be Literally. fair he played so well yeah. and they I think they deserved that win they did is that enough to uh, get Son out of military duty that would be an interesting question probably not <laughs> no, we'll have to keep you updated on that we're going to have but, to win the Premier League uh, but, and we know that's not going to happen with Son no, I'm kidding um, Sweden, Switzerland though obviously you're part Swiss How would part you Swiss I'm going? happy I'm very happy I'd have been gutted if they'd gone knocked out um Again, maybe not the best performance from them in their last game, but they've been playing pretty well, uh, you know, all game. They've had a really good um, sort of mantra when they first came up against. Was it when the first the first match against Brazil? They like had a they had a game plan. They stopped Brazil playing, um, fouled Neymar ten times, but it worked. Um, you know, they did really well coached team. Not the best players. They've got some good stand-up players like Shakiri's great, Ricardo Rodriguez is great, and Summers a very good goalkeeper. But other than that, not a massively talented squad, but everyone's of a very similar level. Mm. Uh, and they, you know, gutted four years ago when they got knocked out by Argentina, but that was what in the quarterfinals. They've got the prote- they've you know they've got the history and the potential to go quite away in these tournaments. Um, I think Shakiri's the only player to score. He scored in the World Cup four years ago. He scored in the Euros two years ago, and he scored in this World Cup. And the only other players to do that were. Ronaldo and I can't remember the other one but um, like you know he's a talent and Switzerland are a good team I would back them to beat Sweden mm. and then probably go on to face England <laughs> to be in Sweden's defence which would be gutting yeah in Sweden's defence and this is just purely from a disgruntled Italian fan <laughs> they line up so well and they're a difficult difficult they team are. to break down they do not let people pass easy and I think Switzerland will probably have enough to unpick that lock but it's going to be a really good game it is I tell you what if, if Sweden do somehow grind it out and beat Switzerland England or Colombia will have a tough arc yeah. of breaking them well, down well we know what happened the last time England played Sweden at uh, <laughs> a uh, big World Cup that was when Sven Goran Eriksson was in charge and he tried to sing both national anthems um, oh, but no they are a good team and you've got to think like they're without their talismanic player Ibrahimovic like he retired and they're still doing this well in you know in the international tournaments so they're proving that they're a, you know, a side to be reckoned with now which is nice to see I do like Sweden yeah, um, but Stockholm's a lovely place but uh, no they, they're showing you know it's very very interesting four teams in that sort of playing for that, that one position there because yeah. um, Columbia England at the last match in the knockout round uh, on Tuesday 7 o'clock prediction mm. sorry I was taking a sip of my water there um, oh, England to win that quite comfortably I know Columbia have got a, a good players Falcao's very good Quintero's had a very good tournament he has Quadrado Rodriguez etc I just think England are playing so well yeah. that they could really carve Colombia apart. They could. It will be heartbreaking if Colombia do win, but I think if you're an England fan, you just got to think about like you saw how well we can play against Panama, um, and you just got to hope that we replicate that performance. And Harry Kane goes and scores another three goals. Yeah, you know what? Harry Kane could feasibly... have a statue erected of him in Parliament Square <laughs> after this tournament. Is that what's going to happen? Feasibly, if we're looking at it from an England perspective. If Harry Kane scores even 
one or two goals against Colombia and England make it over, and then one or two goals against Sweden or Switzerland, that would put them on nine goals for the tournament. That's huge. And I don't think anyone's going to beat that unless Spain get to the final and Diego Costa continues scoring. Yeah, well, unless, I think unless Ronaldo and Portugal do really, really well. You exactly. think Lukaku might be injured for the next match for Belgium. He was yeah. he couldn't play in this one. Um, so if he doesn't start against Japan, maybe that's his chance it's gone. Although we've seen how many chances Batshuayi had. Like, oh yeah. Luke, if Lukaku comes back, they could have another six goals in one match for him. But I think it is between Kane, maybe Lukaku, Ronaldo, um, and Diego Costa. Yeah. Unless, I, again, unless like Suarez can score another few, but I don't see I don't see Kane. I th- I think I see him getting the golden boot and um, potentially setting a record for like I don't even know what the most number of goals scored in a World Cup is ever I think because the last few years it's been like five I think and don't quote me on this because I can't remember if it happened in a Euros or a World Cup but Just Fontaine scored 13 goals in one tournament oh, wow I can't remember if that was a World Cup or not so yeah I'll uh, I'll have to... no it, yeah it's in a World Cup 13, ah. 13 goals in a single World Cup what game. year was that Yo, you're testing me now. Slash Google is testing me. Um, he scored it in... Just Fontaine in 1958. 1958. There you go. Do you know what was even worse about that? He didn't in, score in Italy? any oh. more goals <laughs> in any tournaments he played. He scored oh, wow. no more goals. Well, that's definitely a record to, uh, to be remembered. But, you know, maybe if Harry Kane goes and scores five against Colombia... Um, that'll put him on what is he that'll on 5 or 6 now he's on 5 at the moment he's on so 5 that'll put him on 10 and then he's got 3 matches to go and beat it <laughs> exactly um, I know we already mentioned the uh, the Belgium-England game but you mentioned Batchwai it's probably fair to say the best moment of the entire game <laughs> if you're watching Yanazai's goal was very good it was good some dodgy goalkeeping from Pickford but a good goal moment of the game for me is Mitchie Batchwai sort of summing up his World Cup in a celebration yeah. in terms of trying to kick the ball into an empty net from basically inside the goal and somehow hitting the ball off the post into his own face. He tweeted it and it's just like, oh, damn, I effed up. Like, <laughs> but, I mean, he's a great... We love Mitch Roger. He's so funny, especially on Twitter. Like, go and follow him. It's brilliant. Oh, yes. Um, but it couldn't happen to a nicer guy, though. Like, I think everyone just laughed at it. But, like... No, it's sort of, it has sort of summed up his World Cup a bit. Like, he, got, he, had, he could have had a hat-trick in... 10 minutes having come on um, against Tunisia and he's, he's you know he's proved at Borussia Dortmund for the quarter of the season he's played this year that he's a good goal scorer yeah. um, and he does suit that Belgian team quite well so and he's only what 23 so 23-24 so he's definitely got a career ahead of him to improve um, but I mean from a neutral perspective I do hope Batshuayi does get a few more goals um, just yeah. to show that he is you know a good player Although I don't know when Lukaku is coming back, but he'll surely walk straight back into that team. Yeah, he's. I think it will be a straight shootout between Ronaldo, Lukaku, and Kane. Yeah, I think. But then again, Uruguay might. They might anything can happen. Yeah, Messi can go and score five, knowing how it's Messi. Like exactly. Um, I have to wait and see. But so those are your games for the round of sixteen. Feasibly, England could beat Colombia and should beat Sweden or Switzerland so it could be in a World Cup semi-final which would be crazy yeah um, but we'll have to wait and see for that they would be relishing there that we lost against Belgium <laughs> yeah because they would have either had to play Brazil or Mexico so yeah that would have been an interesting one 
Talking about games in the knockout stages, as I've said through a few of our podcasts, I've been looking back through history at World Cup games. This week, France versus Argentina. Right. Quite interesting. They've only played each other at two World Cups, the first ever one in 1930, and then again in 1978. That's quite a long way between those. It is not great reading for France. Oh, dear. (laughs) They lost 1-0... In 1930, and then they lost 2-1 in 1978. Well, if it's ever going to change, this might be the year to do it with Argentina playing not great and France potentially could be, you know, with the squad they've got, they can turn up. But no, it's worth watching that match, obviously. Um, They've both had very, very, you know, legendary squads in the past. Oh, yeah. So... Speaking of legendary squads, Michel Platini scored in that game for France where they lost 2-1. Um, Argentina boasted players like Ozzy Ardiles and Daniel Passarella, who was the <laughs> captain and scored. So, some good games. I'm 19, looking at 1930. I'm going to be honest. Don't know anyone. I don't think I'm going to know anyone from the 1930s. I think the only player I know past like 1955 is De Stefano, and that's about it. But um, it's not even a Spanish, not Argentinian. No, the last time they actually played each other was in a friendly. Uh, it was in 2009. Oh, mentally. wow. They have not played each other for a long time. Argentina won 2-0. Lionel Messi and Jonas Gutierrez. Oh, wow. I forgot he existed. Yeah, that was was crazy. So that's 2009. So they haven't played each other in nine years. And they'll play each other in the knockout stages of a World Cup. Mental. It is going to be an interesting next week. Yeah. Uh, That's pretty much going to wrap it up for us this week. Yeah, considering we haven't been here in about a week, you will be able to catch everything that we've been doing in the past week on uh, the next Game Time Extra episode, which will go up very shortly. Um, There's a lot of outtakes and bloopers and me messing up stuff on there, so go and listen to that, because it's bound to be be a lot of fun. We sent Alan off to Moscow to do some reporting. I was in Brighton. I got the short straw on that one. Tim stayed at home. Oh, I've been I've been here all the time, holding down the fort. Sat at home watching the football. Yeah, but you can listen to those. Uh, we'll post those up coming up very shortly. Of course, uh, follow us on Twitter at gametime underscore pod. Give us an email gametimepodcast one at gmail.com. or you can listen to it on Anchor, Apple, Google Podcasts, and various other means. Wherever yeah. you found this one, all the rest of our episodes are on there. And feel free to tweet us anything, what stuff you want us to talk Literally about, anything. feedback, whatever you want, we will read them. We really don't have much to do when the World Cup is not on today. No. So, you know, we've got a whole day of literally doing nothing. And Alan will be back next week. We'll make him come back. Yeah. We'll, we'll fly him express delivery. <laughs> uh, Amazon Prime him back to the studios to record another episode. Until next week. See you later. Bye. Thank you very much.